Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You guys, Ooh. it's breaking gals news. <laughs> we are going back on tour with live in-person shows. Oh my god. It's only been three several years, years <laughs> since uh. the last time we did that. We're a little rusty. You're not going to want to miss this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, please don't throw tomatoes at us. We are going to Texas, y'all. Yeehaw! <laughs> How do you like me now? Um, Texas tea. What's our first stop? Ooh, well, first, we're going to be in Houston on Wednesday, June 8th at White Oak Music Hall. We have absolutely loved this venue in the past. We can't wait to go back, and the doors for that show are at 7 p.m. Yep, Mm -hmm. Wednesday, June 8th in Houston, 2022. Yup. The very next day, Thursday, June 9th, we're gonna be in Austin. All an ass to Austin in a van. We love (laughs) Austin. Mm -hmm. So that show is at the stateside at the Paramount. Ugh, love that venue so much. If you know, you know. It's a Mm -hmm. great venue. And last but not least, the gals are going to do Dallas. Oh, we'll do it, Dallas. We got a live <laughs> show at the Southside Music Hall Saturday, June 11th. So, yes. Dallas, we love to see you. You're a great town. Yeah, and for tickets to any of these shows, you can head to our website, wineandcrimepodcast.com. These are up. They are for sale, and we want to see you. We yes. do. And if you have very specific questions about the shows or about the venue or tickets or parking, please contact the venues directly because we... We know nothing. We know nothing. We barely know what we're doing, but we will be there on time. (laughs) Woohoo! Can't wait to see you in Texas. See you soon. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Oh, yeah. You know it. Yeah, sure. Um, you betcha. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'd fuck me. Oh. <laughs> we have a very... Oh, fuck. I'm Kenyan. <laughs> we have a very... Oh, I'm oh, Lucy. Fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm Amanda. <laughs> We're consistent. We I'll are. give us that. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. We have a very special fan pick this week brought to you by fan picker... And Delion Hopkins. Ooh. What a cool name. Endelion. Endelion. I don't know. Endelion. Endelion. And I lion? Am I lion? Did you include (laughs) a pronunciation (laughs) guy? I don't think you did. That's okay. And they have selected the topic of weird torture, which was exceedingly fun to research mm-hmm. yeah and specifically asked for one of us to include tickle torture and the oh. winner was me oh i didn't know that end. that was the fan pick well i must have at some point known that but i forgot well, they didn't choose a specific case they just said to include tickle torture and uh-huh. so my case is really sad 
Well, mine does not involve tickling, and we'll have to decide at the end which we think is worse. Oh, God. Okay. It's pretty rough. Great. Great. My segment is quite rough, too. There are blanket trigger warnings to anybody. Lots of ways that humans have invented to torture one another. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we can be very creative. Mm hmm. But before we get to our wine crime pairing, we have a little butt plug slash life update. Oh, tell us more. I have no idea what you could possibly be saying. (laughs) And I thought it was apropos of weird torture. (laughs) (laughs) Because of how you've been handling this? Because of how I've been feeling (laughs) and complaining to these two. How the group chat's been feeling. (laughs) You know, I don't like to suffer in silence. No. (laughs) Misery loves company, baby. As of this recording, which is like mid-May, I am about 17 weeks pregnant. She is swollen with child. She's she's fallen pregnant. (laughs) I have fallen pregnant. All it took was... Tens of thousands of dollars in IVF treatments. Who knew? And months of being really uncomfortable in my own skin. (laughs) Um, Get used to it. (laughs) Uh It's not going to get better from here. (laughs) Yeah. I, like, you have to really want to be a parent to go through this. My favorite text so far from Kenyon has been, please remind me if I ever want to get pregnant a second time to not do it. No. I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed. You have to put it in writing this time because you've said similar things that Mm -hmm. you have henceforth Followed, like gone through with. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm, can mm-hmm. never do this again. I'm so, I'm so happy, and everyone who's who's been on a fertility journey like I have been will understand. Like I'm, I feel very lucky and privileged that I've gotten pregnant, and so far so good with this one after multiple miscarriages. But zero out of ten would not recommend pregnancy to anyone else. I hate it. It's horrible. I am hopefully going to love my kid. Fingers crossed. (laughs) But it's just terrible. And that is why every time I brush my teeth, I throw up, like violently puke. I have pissed and shat myself while puking multiple times. Up a brick wall. Uh, On on a brick wall, which is really impossible to clean. She's a squirter. An un... (laughs) Like an uncoated brick wall. You guys, I can't. It's it's very real. And so (laughs) it, it also behooves me to go on a mini rant about our fucking Supreme Court Mm -hmm. and how they are going to inflict... Yeah, you wanted this and you wouldn't put this on your worst enemy. I really would. The fact that they are going to force people to remain pregnant and give birth is the the craziest form of weird torture Mm -hmm. one could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. And... 
I know that we'll talk about it more and rant about it more in future episodes. But well, it, we're very concerned about that low birth count for white babies. Oh yeah, gotta, yeah. gotta increase the domestic supply yeah. of, of infants. infants. As we have no supply of baby formula. But also, you know, if we're following the rational trajectory of this sort of legislation, then I'm sure we're going to lower the age of which it's allowable to adopt a child, right? Oh, I'm oh sure. totally. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. open adoptions to LGBTQ know, plus yeah, people, queer families. people of different religions. Trans people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There are even restrictions logical. against people with certain disabilities adopting. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. fucked up. Mm-hmm. And the foster system is fucked. We could go on forever. But and I'm we sure won't. we will at some point. Congratulations on your pregnancy. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> I am happy, but I would not wish this on anyone unless they really, really wanted it. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it is fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, I've been faking drinking this whole time, so don't be well, like duh. concerned for me. So yeah, I have not been uh, drinking alcohol at all for like She's four months. Only been doing like <laughs> fentanyl, so it's like super <laughs> fine for the baby. Yeah. Any who's all we've not got a rum and coke. We got a, it was not a rum and coke. It was Spicy just a coke, coke. <laughs> because that is all I could hold down mm-hmm. without puking for three months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so doing great. Baby is due in October. Woohoo! And I wish everybody else out there who's dealing with infertility all the best. And it's not easy. And baby dust. Mm-hmm. Can I ask one favor of you? Oh, oh God. God. Come <laughs> October when <clears throat> you are plentiful. Live yes. stream it. Please Swole. don't. Paint your belly as a jack o' lantern. Why would you? Th- you and because Zach people both do have that. come up with the most bizarre. No, people do that. It's not yeah. my idea. I, I am not with child, and I want to do that. I am not those people. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm I could it. do that. Yeah. I'm At least with it. my big boob. I got it. I'll. I'll do it. <laughs> we'll do it on my ass. Yeah. Great. Nice. <laughs> Listen, I'm ready. Anyway. I will not be doing anything in October besides pushing out a baby and complaining about it a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll be Gonna muting mute, the chat. Mute my chat. <laughs> yeah. Skim, skim, skim. Skim, skim, skim. skim. Amanda's having a crisis. Kenya's pregnant. Skim, skim, skim. <sighs> <sighs> Did we say what the topic was? Yes. Weird, weird torture. torture. Like okay. being like pregnant. <laughs> I know that you referenced it, but I didn't know if we like no, announced it. it. She said okay, it. okay, yeah. okay. It's a form of weird torture. Just mm-hmm. you're just nauseous, one hundred percent of the time. Oh yes. Anyway, oh, yes. it's your fine. body is a wonderland. Whatever. Let's get to the wine crime pairing. I'm drinking water. <laughs> I have wine, okay. actually. Good for you. So when our fanficer requested Franzia chillable red, <laughs> I thought to myself. You You like a chilled red, though. I do. but That is a weird torture. Yeah. I thought, (laughs) wow, you really want to see me suffer. You're inflicting the torture. Yes, yes. And then I thought to myself, I can make a summer cocktail with this and be in slightly less pain. Yep. So I have concocted a little summer sipper using the Francia Chillable Red, which is a lighter bodied red wine that is meant to be served chilled 
um, and can be great in like wine cocktails and sangrias. Mm -hmm. So I did sort of a twist on a sangria. It is the Franzia Chillable Red with blood orange. I juiced it and then I sliced it to add to my cocktail. Um, I also used a splash of rhubarb shrub, which I will talk about. (gasps) I love a shrub. Me too. A splash of Grand Marnier and a little bit of just like a dash of lemonade. And if you're wondering what a shrub is, quote, a shrub is basically an old way of preserving. It's typically a fruit infused syrup made with fresh ingredients, then fortified with vinegar or alcohol. Then it's aged, and that develops the flavor and the complexity. So this shrub is rhubarb with apple cider vinegar and sugar. I make them, like, pretty, not all the time, but I have made, you can make, um, rosemary shrub is really, really good in, like, gin and tonics with St. Germain. Mm -hmm. And, like, you can just kind of peruse what you have. I have some strawberries, uh, hopefully that will fruit this year in one of the pots in my backyard, I want to make a strawberry shrub at the end of the summer. So it's like, it's like a tart. It's yeah. like a tart bitters almost, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's sort of like bitters, but it's more like ferment. It's almost like kombucha the way that I make it because mm-hmm. I'm doing it with vinegar. So I it's like so mine good. with apple cider vinegar, but you can do it. You can make a shrub in just like vodka. You like have high such vodka. like hidden Martha Stewart activities. Listen, you I like to garden. Do. And I like to make a shrub, and I'm going to get into macrame. So my life is going really great. Oh, my God, macrame. Mm -hmm. Look what I started yesterday. And it's actually, this is really good. I could drink this all summer long, and I can because I have a fucking box of Franzia in my goddamn fridge now. (laughs) And an IUD. And if you're thinking about trying to make a shrub, they're super duper easy. Like, don't be afraid just because you're not familiar with the term. Yeah, it's so easy. It's it's literally just put stuff in a jar, cover it, and let it sit. Yeah. But you can just Google, like, any flavor, herb, whatever that you think would be fun. Google that word and shrub, and a million recipes for it will pop up. It's so easy. I have mm-hmm. never even heard of this thing. I'm sure that cool. you've had cocktails that use a shrub because it's really, really popular at, like, you know, craft cocktail bars and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And they can upcharge you for that kind of shit, but it costs like nothing to make your own. When we were in Philadelphia at that really fun rooftop bar, mm-hmm. I had a, I guess it was a beer, but it was mm-hmm. like a, sh- a sh- rhubarb shrubby beer. And it was yeah. really fucking good. Yeah, I mean, shrub cool. is somewhat fermented, so mm-hmm. it totally works. It's like a sour. Cool. Well... Uh, things fermenting and like weird sugar mm-hmm. will come into play in <gasps> my case. Great. No way. Yeah. Well, cheers, people. Cheers. Cheers to Kenyon's oh, cheers. unborn baby. To yes. the unborn. Woo. I'm drinking for two. <laughs> <laughs> but only one legal entity with rights. Right. Right. Yes. And it's the baby, not you. It's, yeah. it's not you. According mm-hmm. to our Supreme Court in like one month. Yeah. It, it it's, is not It's the you. parasite living within me. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. It's a clump of cells with a faint, electri- faint electrical signal pulse, pulsing in it. Yeah. Flicker. When there is not even a heart to have chambers that could beat. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. <sighs> The miracle okay. of motherhood. Okay. God bless. 
All right. Oh, sorry. Yeah, your turn. (laughs) Again, you go now. Lucy, what's our background in psych for weird torture? Fucking you go now. Fucking I don't care. Your turn. Popcorn Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. This is from Encyclopedia Britannica, the father of my child. Mm Mm-hmm. Torture is the infliction of severe physical or mental pain or suffering for a purpose such as extracting information, coercing a confession, or inflicting punishment. It is normally committed by a public official or other person exercising comparable power and authority. Hmm. So it's not bullying. It's Mm -hmm. like... It's specific. It has an intent, whether it's eliciting some sort of information or a confession or, or a punishment... A lot of torture can result in death, but it's not the same as an execution necessarily. You're probably so, going to get to this, but I have a question. Okay. So in my case, the word torture, I it's I find this case to have been torture, although it was for like sexual gratification. Mm-hmm. Does that fall under that category? If I slightly misunderstood the assignment, whatever I, I cover mean, tickling. No, there's but a lot of a there's purpose. a lot of there's a right. lot of overlap. Okay, I okay. mean, like a lot of serial killers inflict right. sexual torture for their own benefit. Precisely. But even but even the person being subjected upon could mm. find some sort of pleasure of. About that it, is I don't. Not the case in this, but I don't know if that would count as torture. Torture, because it's I feel consensual. like it would just, yeah, exactly. Well, there are. Like, I, I, I'll rephrase. There are some methods of torture that are intended to inflict like bad pain onto mm-hmm. people that sometimes inflict good pain. Okay. So, like okay. uh, BDSM, there are right. certain forms of BDSM that are pleasurable for the recipient, but then sure. also not. And would elicit a confession of some sort. Sure. Okay. Okay. I think, as with everything, it's a spectrum. There's a lot of right. overlap. We'll get to kind of the overlap. Okay. But yeah, it's so, yeah. It, I it, didn't totally. It's a gray shit area. Okay. No, we'll get to shitting the bed. Oh God. Just okay. kidding. We won't. And also, there are <laughs> torturers who derive a pleasure from inflicting torture even though the purpose of that torture might be something else like eliciting a confession or whatever yeah the the, the pleasurer getting or the torturer getting sadistic pleasure is what's happening in my case for sure i won't be covering that Mm -hmm. because there was so much to talk about that i mostly just focused on the things that i found interesting as always it's our it's our podcast we can do what we want to dara thomas baby yeah (laughs) It's our podcast. We can cry if we want to. And do. We frequently (laughs) cry. I usually cry after, but. Yeah, I was going to say, we don't always cry on air. Sometimes before. We we cry a lot. Yeah. It feels good. (laughs) It's, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so starting in the 18th century in the West, with societies replacing physical punishments with things like jail sentences and exile and fines. In addition to police forces, torture began to be seen as cruel and unnecessary, although there's been evidence of torture being used as a punitive process or to elicit some sort of information from like time immemorial. It has never gone away. Way back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Scotland abolished torture in 1708, and by the beginning of the 19th century, most of Europe had abandoned the practice in a, in a legal sense. And after that, any violence dem- demonstrated against a criminal was deemed a crime in, like, just overall. But obviously, we will get to certain circumstances when it was not. And also, it's sure. not like conditions generally in the 19th century were that great. So what? A right. lot, a lot passed as not mean? torture. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take us through a very extensive list of specific kinds of torture, and most of them do not include types that are employed today by like tickling. Oh, I don't know, the U.S. government, right, or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. Your local police force. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Most of what we're talking about today is like sort of historical means of torture. But how effective is torture actually? Quote, although the effectiveness of torture has been defended by many throughout history, notably Aristotle and Sir Francis Bacon, it was attacked as early as Roman times for encouraging its victims to lie. Mm-hmm. So even then, they were just like, uh... People are just going to say whatever they can to yeah. make the pain stop. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. It's not that difficult a concept to figure out, and yet we still seem to be struggling with it mm-hmm. today. In ancient Greece and Rome, physical torture was lawfully used, usually on non-citizens or slaves, enslaved people, Mm -hmm. as a means of obtaining information or confessions. Later, in early medieval Europe, torture was used as the trial itself in the ordeal, wherein Mm -hmm. the suspect's response to extreme physical pain served as the basis for establishing guilt or innocence. Just the most bonkers things you can imagine. I mean, this is like, we talk about like the Salem witch trials and like, oh, if she drowns, she's innocent. And if she floats, she's a witch and she's going to be burned anyway. It's like, there's no rationale. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Or like the pricking of the skin Mm -hmm. and like, what is it? If they didn't feel it, they were a witch. If they didn't like flinch. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But like sometimes they would be so desensitized from like other painful shit they've been through. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's the, all absurd. I think the point here is to like consider like the Enlightenment period as it, it was surprising that it didn't diminish like torture as a practice in general mm-hmm. because it was all about like rationale and logic and all that stuff. So I don't know. It shifted, I, but it didn't disappear. It no. sh- it definitely shifted. It shifted away from the the witch drowning and all that stuff. But yeah, it's it was still a, a practice and is still a practice. Mm-hmm. In the later Middle Ages, torture was again used to secure confessions in cases of serious crime. Confession was known by the term at this point as the queen of proof or proofs. Okay. So, like Which that we was now know. So, like the highest, yeah. It, w- form it was of held proof. as, yeah, and it often still is in courtrooms today. Like, mm-hmm. if you confess to it, that means how could you not have done it? I think for a while, or in some some places and and times, like somebody couldn't be prosecuted until they confessed, mm-hmm. and so they would just keep torturing until they got a confession, and that was seen as like doing their job right because otherwise they have to let the person go i mean that's still how it's done (laughs) Mm -hmm. fucking in a lot of ways (laughs) we talk about like oh how it was in the middle ages and the dark ages and like way back when we didn't know any better yeah Mm. 
and right post, now post 911 <laughs> um yeah <laughs> which okay. we'll kind of get to um oh good well not really actually we pointedly will not get to that because it was too much too dark but moving on a bunch of sick bullshit took place between world war ii or during world war ii and that bullshit then galvanized international efforts defining and banning certain kinds of torture so, quote, the first legal responses were stated in the prohibitions of torture and similar inhumane treatment or inhuman treatment in the 1948 Universal Declaration of Human Rights and the 1949 Geneva Conventions, particularly in the Convention Relative to the Treatment of Prisoners of War and the Convention Relative to the Protection of Civilian Persons in Time of War. Because as we'll kind of get to, during war and during, like, upheaval and an unrest torture mm-hmm. by by the state is extremely common yeah mm-hmm. and it's often underreported like it it's scary like that mm-hmm. that that's when you have to be mindful of that kind of thing mm-hmm. like in the ukraine right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like right now torture was also prohibited by the international covenant on civil and political rights which was a, uh, entered into force in 1976 in all states that were party to that covenant, while regional human rights treaties were adopted in Europe, which happened in 1950, and the Americas in 1969, and Africa in 1981. So ongoing definitions and legislation is needed, though, as different human rights initiatives around the world continue to uncover uses of torture, particularly against political prisoners, and like I said, in circumstances of armed conflict. Mm-hmm. There's also the complicated issues of jurisdiction and extradition in cases of, like, worldwide international offenses. Mm -hmm. It's extremely complicated and convoluted. I know that Kenyon can speak more to this than I can, but we're, again, this is a very, there's just a lot to be said. It all depends on if there was, like, a recognized armed conflict taking place at the time Mm -hmm. in that Which is an obstacle in itself, which isn't always the case, which is why, you know, countries will play around with different terms like it's a special operation or it's a war. It's a conflict. Mm. It's a conflict, but it's not a war because if the combatants are state actors, like an army belonging to a state, that is different than if the combatants are like terrorist cells or, you know, just like random gangs or whatever. Mm-hmm. So all of it kind of depends on like these legal definitions and then you get down into which country has signed on to which treaty and if they are a member of the International Criminal Court, which the U.S. is not. Mm-hmm. So then whether or not they can extradite people. I mean, it's just all like legal <sighs> details and then it's also really like fucking complicated. Really There's fucking no complicated. black and white answer. Mm-hmm. And so few internationally, like so few perpetrators ever get prosecuted um, or held to account. It's just like too hard to do it after the fact. The, the mm-hmm. process takes forever. Like in major cases, people have like died of natural causes like way before a, a verdict ever came down. Mm-hmm. It's just a mess. It's a Big fucking mess. mess. Yeah. So I guess that's sort of the... <laughs> underlying factor of my 
don't yeah technical it's, background it's horrible here. and like very few people are ever held to account and mm-hmm. um don't expect justice mm-hmm And also, like, all of these issues were, at least in the West, were exacerbated by the September 11th attacks. Right. And then we had Guantanamo Bay and Abu Ghraib and all these black sites and all that. And it's just like, I I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't. And then, and also, like, um, I can't remember all the details now, but, like, was it the attorney general for W like basically came up with like his own definition of torture which oh, which allowed all which allowed like waterboarding and like sleep deprivation and and like light exposure and like mm. all you know sound whatever like annihilating the eardrums we'll all this horrible it. shit but the bush mm. administration like legalized all that because it they decimated can just all, a say lot whatever of the they want yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the post nine eleven Bush administration that's its own thing. I absolutely mm-hmm. cannot. I can't. I that started reading about episode. it. I can't. Yeah, it'd be its own podcast, right? Like it's too much. But basically, okay. they just one guy on paper was like, you know what? That's not waterboarding's not torture. That's uh, enhanced interrogation. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's so fine. we can get away it's with whatever a, we want. Heavy handedness, right? Like t- zip tying someone and having them like stand, you know, in mm-hmm. a corner for days in bright light and like all this horrible shit. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm going to I'm about to go through a whole list and I do not want to talk about whether or not these specific things are t- classified as torture right. under That's different, fine. you know, administrations. But mm-hmm. we're not a legal podcast. Mm-hmm. It, it it fucking is. It mm-hmm. it. Is torture under the under, you know, humanity. Mm-hmm. So that said, let's talk about the different flavors flavors of torture. Oh God! So we have talked about some of these in the wrongful executions episode, which was, I believe, two twenty five, which you may remember as like the blood eagle, mm-hmm. for example. A lot of shit I'd never heard of before in that episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So lots of methods of execution kind of crossover torture and a lot of torture results in death which is technically execution but it's a gray area mm-hmm. yeah it, pro- it probably depends on the goal and the purpose if the goal and the purpose is to like extract information then once you have the information you think you want then mm-hmm. if death occurs you don't you might not you don't care, care versus mm-hmm. you you might actually care and not want that person to die and to keep them alive for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, also, like, especially if you're eliciting some sort of uh, just any information and it doesn't matter to you whether they live, you can push that person to the point of life and death in order to extract that right. information. So right. anyway, so I'm going to first be talking about um, uh, psychological torture examples but also there's a lot of overlap between that and physical torture which we'll get to Mm -hmm. okay so examples of psychological torture include being subjected to interrogation for long periods of time which Mm -hmm. as we can assume the u.s doesn't abide by that right hi aren't they allowed Mm -hmm. to hold you for 24 hours i think so i think without charges Mm -hmm. in it within the u.s domestic Criminal and civil space, yes, but mm-hmm. not necessarily abroad or if somebody is a possible enemy combatant. Right. Yep. 
Mm -hmm. That's indefinite, I believe. Yeah, well, that's what we've been seeing. They could subject you to blackmailing, to chalkboard scraping, which is exactly what you think it is. And actually, some researchers did studies into what exactly it is about nails on a chalkboard that like offends people so much. Yeah. And they think it might be because that certain, not only like the sound, but like the specific pitches register something in our brains that like harkens back to predatory days of like monkeys that their mm. uh, their alarm calls their alarm screams mm. are are equally as offensive to the ear oh interesting wow. is that weird it also probably depends on in, an individual's like sense of hearing because like biological men and women can like hear different octaves mm-hmm. and pitches differently that is a pretty universal offensive sound, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think some people are more sensitive to it than others, though. And I might Definitely, just have, yes. like, poor hearing. But, like, I I feel like I'm less sensitive to it than some. Mm-hmm. Even thinking about it makes my teeth wiggle. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, Chinese water torture, which is... I have done that to Zach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he so, deserved it, though. Um... Uh, I've told, I've told this story. I don't think I so. Don't remember this? <laughs> we were we were in D.C. for a summer doing internships and rented an apartment and it was furnished or whatever. And they had these like nice embroidered like Turkish pillows on the bed. And we went out and Zach got obliterated drunk mm-hmm. and I was like barely drunk. And we. Went home early because he was a mess. And we were really young. We were like 22. And um, went back to the apartment and he had to throw up. So I like got everything ready. I like laid him in the bed. I got him like a trash can to throw up in. I moved the pillows across the room. Like he's on one side of the bed. They are fully on the other side of the room. Away from him because I knew that he was going to throw up. Got him all set. And then I'm like watching TV in the living room and like monitoring his breathing and making sure he's not like choking to death. As you do on a fun Saturday night. And (laughs) he proceeds to sit bolt upright in bed, ignore the trash bin next to him and projectile vomit across the room. Only on the pillows. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, 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 targeted. And they're destroyed. And I was really, really pissed off at him. And so I put him in the bathtub drunk for the rest of the night. So he slept the rest of the night in the bathtub with his head under the faucet. And you and dripped was, on him. And it dripped on him all night. Okay, well, he kind of did that. I know, but and you're fine. also kind of a monster, and I fear yeah. for your mm-hmm. child. But what also, ever? here's the definition of Chinese water <laughs> torture, okay. aka a dripping machine, which I feel like is a more PC way of putting it. So this is a mentally painful process in which cold water is slowly dripped onto the scalp, forehead, or face for a prolonged period of time. The process causes fear and mental deterioration in the subject. The pattern of the drops is often irregular and the cold sensation is jarring, which causes anxiety as the person tries to anticipate the next drip. 
He slept like a baby. Well, I have a photo. <laughs> I have a photo of Zach on the drive, which will be on the blog. Then. Wait, what? What? There's a photo of the water torture. Mm-hmm. There is. Yes. Well, it's not a photo. It's a. Uh, it's a, it's an illustration. Oh. Okay. And do well. we believe that this was actually like first practiced in China, or is that just like a That's, racist? Um. No. I think I think that that is what is believed, but I don't. I'm not going to call oh, it Oh, this that. is Let's very call it dramatic. A, dri- a dripping machine. This photo. This. That's an accurate illustration of Zach's face <laughs> as <laughs> we were yeah. doing. That's you in the back with the pointed hat. Yep, laughing he had to your the, friend. The worst torture <laughs> was you. that the next day I made him go to brunch at like 10 a.m. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You are a fucking freak. I was mm. really mad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have a unique brand. Mad enough to get up at 10 a.m., which is not right. a thing you usually do. Oh, I would yeah. personally never choose to go to brunch that early. She was 22. <laughs> <laughs> I could be up at dawn for a run after a night right. out at I know, 22. 22. Oh, my is God. Different. I know. Oh, oh to go not. back. Absolutely. Not. Okay, more psychological torture. We have the ego fragmentation, which is the complete loss of subjective self identity. There are several ways of getting to this, but it's basically just like breaking you down on a very base level. Like, um, what's it called? What's the word? What brainwashing? Mm. Kind of, but this is like a comp- this is like breaking you down. Like e- even with brainwashing, if you were to be like, oh, you got to follow this cult leader or whatever, mm-hmm. this is nothing. This is nothing. There's no hope. There's no savior. It's nothing. You are just. A flat, clear blob. There's nothing. Okay. Then we have exploitation of phobias. Like, for example, a a mock execution or maybe if they knew you were an arachnophobe, if they left you in a room full of spiders. Okay. Sounds horrible. Don't like it. We've got forced nudity. We've got learned helplessness, which I think is related to the ego fragmentation. Yeah, having to like ask if you can take a sip of water, ask if you can go to the bathroom, ask if you can yeah. Yep. And I think the that that was particularly employed like if somebody made several escape attempts or something like that. Like they would just like fucking beat you the fuck down so you just had no like sense of autonomy Self. at all. Yeah. Then we have music torture or podcast torture, which uh-huh. is torture. like our Guantanamo favorite, Bay. our Guantanamo favorite review. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear they play this podcast on repeat I at Guantanamo that. Bay. It's the best. We I have- wish we could use the downloads. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> God. Help us out, Guantanamo Putting it Bay. out there. If you're listening to this in Guantanamo Bay, please write us an iTunes review. It really helps us out. Yes. You could win free merch. Then we have pharmacological torture. So the aim of this is to force compliance by causing distress, distress, which could be in the form of pain, anxiety, psychological disturbance, immobilization, or disorientation. Or like what they did to Alan Turing, where they like gave him horrible like hormone therapy to Ugh. punish him because he was gay. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it was like chemical mm-hmm. castration. 
Yep. So that it was that's exactly what this would be. So one form of this torture involves forcibly injecting a person with an addictive drug in order to induce physical dependence. And then once the drug is withdrawn and the person is in withdrawal, the interrogation can start and they can say, like, no, we're only going to give you this heroin after you answer our questions or whatever. And their dependency is so acute and so strong that they Mm. just they that that's just what they do. They have no choice. It can also be used in like human trafficking situations. Thousand percent. Yep. Um, We have sensory deprivation, sleep deprivation, and then what's called stress positions, also known as submission positions. So these place the human body in such a way that a great amount of weight is placed on just one or two muscles. God, it's like my worst even... fucking nightmare. I know. On oh, my back. Anything. Yeah. It could be like sit in this ergonomic chair for yeah. more than four hours. and Can't do it. I'll tell you all you need to know. Yeah. Honestly, that's like what a desk job is, is a constant stress position. Mm -hmm. So, for example, a subject may be forced to stand on the balls of their feet and then squat so that their thighs are parallel to the ground. Mm -hmm. There is a photo on the drive, which will be on the blog, of a – it's of a Viet Cong prisoner. And they have American soldiers who have tied this person's arms behind their back with and like a board so they cannot move their arms it's they're stuck behind their back right. tied and then i think somehow tied the wrists to the ankles or something like that so they're forced into this crouching position for god knows how a long. long time mm-hmm. some so i will say that in some cultures like squatting i'm not saying that about this photo at all like not excusing this at all But I'm saying in some cultures, like, it's way more common to sit in a deep squat like that for long periods of time. But not with your arms. Not with your arms. The difference is the arms. Right. Yeah. So, like, you can kind of, if you're used to it, you'd probably be more comfortable for longer. But whereas, like, the three of us are not fucking used to squatting like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, no, not fun. Squatting like that with our arms free would probably be torturous for us who are not used to that position. But the fact that their arms. Right. It's like almost a dislocation of the shoulders, too. Right. Mm. So, again, this creates an intense amount of pressure on the legs, leading first to pain and then to muscle failure. Other examples of a stress position are the jetliner position, which is basically just a wall sit. Mm. Something called the Murga punishment. And Murga in s- at least one, I think, several languages means rooster. So this um, is a punishment where a person must s- <laughs> use your imagination, but there is also a photo on the drive of this. But the person squats and then loops their arms behind the knees mm-hmm. and then holds onto their earlobes. Yeah. So like the opposite earlobe. That would be really painful for the lower back. I can barely do this sitting in a regular position, just holding my own earlobes with my opposite hands. Imagine looping your arms underneath your knees and doing that. Having to be in any one position for an extended period of time can be detrimental. Yeah. Yeah. You could be laying down flat. And if it's Mm. for long enough without being allowed to move. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That can be a stress position. Mm-hmm. Being upside um, down. Mm-hmm. No, we'll get to that. Um, there's also a position called the strapado. Well, here we go. 
The victim's hands are tied behind his back, and then the victim is suspended by a rope attached to the wrists. And, like, that's it. So this typically results in dislocated shoulders. And then on top of that, weights might be added to the body to intensify the effect and increase the pain. I think that that is a or it was sanctioned during the Bush administration as a a legal form of enhanced interrogation, literally that stress position. Well, that's bizarre because this type of torture would generally not last more than an hour without rest as it would likely result in death. So they can can dangle them there Mm -hmm. for at most an hour. Mm -hmm. There's a photo, there's an illustration on the drive of this as well. It's really fucking gross. And like the person... In the illustration, their, like, legs are tucked up. I think just because it's so painful, you're just trying not to dangle in too many positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you want to keep all your weight towards the front of your body instead of down by your feet because it would be less stress on your shoulders. I don't know. It's fucking gross. Um, Okay. Psychological torture. Threat of permanent or severe uh, disfigurement. So just the threat of it. We've got tickle torture, Amanda. I think we'll get to it. This actually falls under physical torture as well. Mm -hmm. Waterboarding, also physical torture. And then what's called the welcome parade. So like if you're a new prisoner in a a prison environment, they like send you through a gauntlet of people like hitting you, yelling at you, kicking you. Like it's not meant to like kill you or anything, but it's just meant to be like all these people know who the fuck you are right and they're letting they're letting them blow off steam Mm -hmm. like the other prisoners blow off steam like get used to it this is your life now it's very handmaid's tale Mm -hmm. oh yeah Mm -hmm. but it's called the welcome parade which is so fucking gross that's really creepy and then what's called the white room torture or just white torture so we I've heard about this, but I didn't really think about what it entailed, and this is so fucking disturbing. So visually, the prisoner is deprived of all color. Their cell is completely white, the walls, floor, and ceiling, as well as their clothes and their food. Neon tubes are positioned above the occupant in such a way that no shadows appear. Auditorily, the cell is soundproof and void of any sound, voices, or social interaction, Guards stand in silence wearing padded shoes to avoid making any noise. Prisoners cannot hear anything but themselves. In terms of taste and smell, the prisoner is fed white food, which classically means unseasoned white rice, to deprive them of these senses. Further, all surfaces are smooth, robbing them of the sensation of touch. Detainees are often held for months or even years, the effect of white torture are well documented in a number of testimonials. Typically, prisoners will become depersonalized by losing personal identity for extended periods of isolation, causing hallucinations or even psychotic breaks. And I read one account of this guy who was held in a white cell for about like eight months or so. Mm-hmm. And when he came out, he said, I'm I'm not a I'm not a person anymore. I don't remember my parents' faces. Oh, it's completely wiped. It's so just the fact that anyone like came up with that. I know. Fucking gross. Maybe the creepiest part. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then I have a (laughs) 
Alphabet. Okay. So now for something really fun. Here we go. Okay. So now for like even more shit. Um. So I have an alphabetical list of physical torture. Here we go. (laughs) I feel like a lot of what we've covered is pretty physical. Like I said, it overlaps. It overlaps. (laughs) The physical torture is much longer. So I'm only going to stop if something like needs just needs a definition because a lot of them do not. Such as acid attack, blinding with light, boiling, burying alive, burning, the blood eagle we've discussed, bone breaking, bamboo torture. What's that? Just sharp bamboo? Yeah, it's the nail. Like it's the under nail the thing. fingernails. Oh. But, there, but there's also nailing, which is the removal of fingernails and toenails, but it doesn't specify that it's by bamboo shards. Also like removing of nipples. I don't have that. Nippling. Uh, yeah. The Gestapo nice. was really into that. Okay. 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 We have birching, which is basically just like lashing with a birch branch. I love a good birch. <laughs> I do love birch. But they're Jesus like kind of flexible, slender. They're more like whips. Yeah. They're really fucking painful, mm-hmm. I imagine. Branding. Castor oil. And so uh, ca- castor oil, I guess, like makes you – shit and barf a bunch oh we will get mm. to the the things to create forced diarrhea okay mm. so castor oil as far as i could tell just like prompts evacuation of the bowels and it was used to like debilitate people but also to embarrass them mm-hmm. so castor oil we got cigarette burns castration which FYI is just the removal of the testicles, not the whole penis. Mm-hmm. We'll get to it. We talked about Chinese water torture. It's cold cell torture, which I am assuming is just being in a really cold, not lethally cold, but like really fucking cold place. Mm-hmm. Or just like as simple as like not letting anybody have a blanket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in a jail Ugh. cell over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Combing, a.k.a. carding. So I don't know if you've ever seen, like, wool being carded, like raw wool from a sheep. Mm-hmm. They have those they have those combs with really long, like, prongs. Mm-hmm. And that's what they use to, like, comb out the wool. That's what mm-hmm. carding is. But they use that on a person's skin and just, like. So, like, ouch. really horrible dry brushing, but with Scraping, metal. yeah. Bl- bloody, you know. Stretch. Shredding you. Shredding shred you. you. Like, yeah, they like, shred you. Like boiled chicken. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. We've got crucifixion, crushing, cutting, disembowelment, dismemberment, dehydration, denailing, like I said, fingers Whoa. and toes, disfigurement, death by drowning, dry boarding. So it's the opposite of like waterboarding. So this in- induces asphyxiation through uh, stuffing the subject's airways with rags and then taping their nose and mouth shut. Oh, my God. And probably just any other kind of asphyxiation, like a plastic bag on and off. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't need to be rags necessarily, but right. that's dry boarding. Oh, God. This is bad. Dunking enemas, emasculation, which is cutting off the penis and the testicles. Oh. Okay. Or just belittling. Well, it, that would be more it, psychological. It, 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 Emasculation as a form of torture, I think, is just the just cutting it right thing. off. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Flagellation, flaying, foot roasting. We don't need a description about that. Mm-hmm. Foot oh, whipping, um, which Ugh. is also known as bastinado. Mm. For, force feeding, 
strangling or gar- using a garrote. Garrote? Garrote? I think garrote. Garrote. It's gross. Uh, it genital- is gross. It is gross. Genital mutilation and or forced circumcision. Hamstringing, which is when they just cut your hamstrings so you uh, can't walk. No. Absolutely. Uh, we're done. It's over. We're, we're not done. done. We're only, we're only on the H's. H's. We just started the H's. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> we got half hanging. Mm. We got hanging, drawn, and quartering. Mm. I- impalement, immurement, aka live entombment, being so bar- like buried alive, basically. Buried alive, but like in a bigger tomb. Yeah, or not. I don't know. Depends Look on how much Amanda's face you have. Face? <laughs> I hate this. We covered the jetliner position. That's basically a, wa- a wall set. We've covered keel hauling in our uh, executions, which is when you're strapped to the the keel of a ship. Or wait, no, what no, is you're, it? you're pulled you're, like you're on a pulley under over the keel of the ship. Yeah, and so like all the barnacles like scrape you up, and then and the you're sh- just and underwater the for a long time. Yeah, it's you're probably gonna die. This is okay. Knee capping, which is Ugh. like if you're. But it's most commonly like modernly, like if you're just shot, mafia. like shot at a at a at a, a close range in the tops of your knees. And is so it just because it's like, it's like very painful and slow recovery? Yeah, well, you okay. can't walk. It's like you're gonna chase them. Okay, something called menial, which I gather to be like a uh, slavery or just like s- some sort of servitude. Okay, mutilation, noise, just like. Yeah, noise. Relentless yeah, noise. so you can't sleep usually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Necklacing, which we've discussed, uh, it's very popular in South Africa actually. So like you put a, a a rubber tire around a person's neck, yes, and then you light it on fire, or you douse it in some sort of fuel and then you light it on fire. Yeah, oh it's like a, God. It's, a, it's a slow death, but there's just flames all around. And your somebody face. and you're like restrained somehow, so you can't remove the tire. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus. Yeah, oubliette. So oubliette is like a it's like a type of dungeon mm-hmm. where it, like it's a big underground dungeon, and then the only exit is like a hatch or a hole or some sort of door at the very top. So it's like too tall for you to escape from. So like think of Aladdin when he first meets Jafar in the it's dungeon. Just a hole, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Isn't there just like a hole at the top? Yeah, mm-hmm. we will or get did to I dream it. That? I don't remember if it's in Aladdin, but we will get to an oubliette type thing. And it comes from the verb oublier, which means to forget. So literally, you're just thrown down there and forgotten about. Yeah. Best case scenario. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario, there's additional torture within the pit. Wow. It's also sometimes called a bottle, a bottle dungeon because it's like kind of shaped like a bottle. Mm. And there is a really great bar and jazz club in Paris called the Caveau des Oubliettes. Ooh. It's one oubliette I'd like to get into. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to get to know that oubliette. Mm-hmm. I won't forget that oubliette. Oh, <laughs> then we have oxygen deprivation, paria, which I guess is like just electric shock, pitch capping. So this process, this is so gross. It involves pouring hot pitch Pitch meaning tar. Yep. Um, so at the time, this 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 term was mainly used for waterproofing seams in the sides of ships or boats. Mm-hmm. So like pit pitch like the 
the angle, so you'd put the mm-hmm. tar over the pitch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you pour the tar into a conical-shaped paper cap, which was forced onto a bound subject's head, allowed to cool, and then just ripped off. Oh, so, so you're just scalping them. Yep. It it's it's like a it's like getting a wax on the top of your scalp. A terrible wax on the top your whole top of your head. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is fucked up. Then we have pliers, pressure points, rape, rat torture. We've talked about rat torture. Ugh. So like mm-hmm. a disease or a hungry rat is just like like you're somehow opened up and then the rat's like in you and then it just or like, like its way food out. is put on you and yeah, yeah. this is very um very uh american psycho mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep there's something called riding the rail which was a punishment most prevalent in the u.s in the 18th and 19th centuries in which an offender was made to straddle a fence rail which was held on the shoulders of two or more bearers people so the subject was then paraded around town or taken to the city limits and dumped by the roadside. Wow. So that was kind of just a more embarrassing thing. I wouldn't call it torture, but I don't know. Sounds pretty bad. Yeah. I I'd thought I thought that torture. that was something else. I I think that there's other things that are involved in riding the rail, but I'm I'm blanking on. Well, I looked at two different articles, okay. but if you find something else, I'm more than more than happy to learn about it. There's something called the Swedish drink, which is basically forcing somebody to drink like noxious liquids, like poop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, okay, poop. Why is it called Swedish? Okay, fine. I don't want it. I don't know. Swedish fish. I'm not taking a side. I do hate (sighs) schnapps. Really? Yeah, not a fan. Even in like a mixed. Okay. (laughs) Even in a stumpler? You're a Minnesotan. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. We've got sawing. We've got scalping. We've got scaphism, which I think we talked about maybe in the wrongful executions. So this is also known as getting the boats. This is when you trap a victim between two boats and you're usually in like a like a wooden box, like hung between two boats. Okay. You're you're force fed and also covered in milk and honey. Hate we, it. We will get to it. So the milk and the honey eventually gives you like horrible diarrhea and in, in digestive issues. So then you're barfing and shitting, and then also you're continuing to be covered in the milk and honey. So all these like bugs and shit are attracted to you. So you die from dehydration. And all the pooping, barfing stuff. And then also you're slowly being eaten alive by insects and other mm-hmm. vermin. Mm-hmm. Oh, Corey's home. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Uh, we have what's called a shrimp tie, which is like a specific way of tying somebody up in a particular way. And at mm. this this kind of crosses over with some of the BDSM situation. Right. Mm. And if it's consensual, go yeah, for it. Yeah. Fine. Tie your shrimps, honey. Mm -hmm. We've got sensory overload, sexual assault, the shin bone crusher. Don't don't Um, go. We get it. Next. We get it. Sleep deprivation, sound. So this would be extremely high volumes, dynamic range, low frequency, high pitched noise intended to interfere with rest, cognition and concentration. We've got starvation, stoning. We talked about the strapado. This is also known as reverse hanging. 
stress positions we talked about, tarring and feathering, a thumb screw we talked about in the wrongful Ugh. execution, tickle torture, Amanda, tooth extraction, walling, which is uh, they they in modern times the U.S. used this at Guantanamo and other places. They put like a some sort of rubber, like a flexible collar on a person, and then I'm it wasn't super clear to me whether this person was like pulled by their collar against a a concrete wall mm. and so then like their like their head didn't necessarily hit it but it's like extreme trauma to the neck and the shoulders oh, and the, wasn't it wasn't and the it bo- if they the were back. if they fell asleep then they would be brought against the Maybe. the like chain and so then they would be like quickly like choked and and jerked awake I think so. I hate this episode. I know. I'm almost done. Then we got the waist chop, which is just cutting someone in half at the waist. Water cure, which is force feeding water to extremes, which can Mm. kill you. It can kill you, yeah. Yeah. Waterboarding, and then again, the welcome parade, the the Mm. gamut thing. And Mm. that's probably not even all. Mm-mm. Oh no! This is just, this is Tip all. This is the Wikipedia list. Mm-hmm. So humans are very creative and very awful, and I hate everything about this. And yeah, yep. that's really yep. all I have to say. About. Yeah, what else can you say? Humans mm-hmm. are awful, and we just come up with really else. inventive ways to inflict to be awful. lots of harm on each other. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. All cool. that. Cool. All right, if you, like us, need a palate cleanser, stick around for some ads. Great. (laughs) FrameBridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without ever leaving your house. Our favorite thing. Mm -hmm. Our favorite thing. Yeah. From art prints and diplomas to the photos just sitting on your phone collecting cyber dust, you can Mm -hmm. FrameBridge just about anything. And with Father's Day... Just around the corner, FrameBridge also makes the perfect gift. In fact, select gifts ship the next day. Oh, that is such a lifesaver. I have to get something for Bill's dad. So this is going to save me. Um, (laughs) And if you're like me and you need to get a last minute gift for the dad in your life, here's a reminder of how it works. Just go to framebridge.com and upload your photo or they can send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. And they handle everything with such care that you can like really trust that it's going to get there safely and that they're going to treat it really well while it's in their hands. Then you can preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. You can like really plan how you want this to work. You choose your favorite or you can get free recommendations from their talented designers. And then the experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. Like, I know I always say this, but all you're missing is the wall and the hammer. They have all the good hardware. It's like Mm -hmm. the good hardware. the good stuff. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to like... I never have to worry about like, oh, is this going to be centered? Is it yep. going to like, ha- is it going to hold? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All they that make stress. It so easy. All that stress just washes away. And instead of the hundreds you'll pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, our listeners will get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when they use our code WINECRIME. So order at framebridge.com or 
stop by a Framebridge store to work with a designer in person. Ooh. If I know I want to do this so badly. Our next tour has to be only where there are Framebridge stores. That's yes. going to be the move. Um, <laughs> so they have them in New York, D.C., Atlanta, Philly, Boston, or Chicago. Oh, I can't wait. So get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code WINECRIME to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com, promo code WINECRIME. One more time, framebridge.com, promo code WINECRIME. And treat your dad. Treat him. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Oh, there are, there are so many reasons. But yeah. it's number one. HelloFresh now has 30 dinner recipes to choose from every single week. I love I so love. If you're like me and you easily fall into a food rut, you have mm-hmm. got to check out HelloFresh. This is the most choices of any meal kit. Mm-hmm. So y- there's really no excuse. Uh, they are they offer foolproof step-by-step recipes, which mean a joyful cooking experience and a stress-free summer. Because yeah. who wants to spend their summer in a, a hot kitchen cooking? Ugh. No. I don't. And speaking of summers, they have so many really fresh beautiful summer-ish recipes. So mm. last week I made their crispy Caesar chicken. Uh, yum. Yeah, so there's like roasted green beans on the side. You got your veggies. There's also like these herbalicious potato wedges. Yum. It's just so fresh. It is so good. You have got to also check out HelloFresh Market for a curated selection of quick breakfasts. I always forget about breakfast. Yeah. They got lunches. They got sides. They got snacks, desserts, and so much more. It is a one-stop shop for all your mealtime needs. So go to HelloFresh.com slash GALS16 and use code GALS16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Go to HelloFresh.com slash GAL16 and use code GAL16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts and treat your dinners. Trade them. My case, there's people are horrible because of colonialism. Mm -hmm. And then they're also horrible because of like absolute power and despotism. Mm -hmm. Cool. Got it. Great. Enjoy. Mm -hmm. Okay. What a combo. So... Arthur Connolly was a well-known British intelligence officer. Expl- Arthur Conan Doyle. <laughs> explorer and writer in the mid-1800s. He was captain of the 6th Bengal Light Cavalry, working in service of the British East India Company. That great. Mm. And in this role, he completed numerous reconnaissance missions into Central Asia. So think all of, like, the stands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the stands. <laughs> All the stands. <laughs> he often traveled in disguise using the name Khan Ali, which was like mm. a play on words that sounded like his name Connolly. Connolly. Yeah. 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 He thought he was really clever. I mean, I would have been very proud of coming up with that too. <laughs> I mean, that's what a lot of chi- like ch- English to Chinese translations. Right. Like Zach's Chinese name was Kong Zali, which was mm-hmm. like, Supposed to be like his last name, Cohen and Zachary. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so although it would later be popularized in uh, the Richard Kipling novel Kim, 
Connolly was actually the person who coined the phrase the great game, which described like the competing efforts of the Russian and British empires trying to gain control over Central Asia, mm-hmm. which like still exists today in mm-hmm. like the US versus Russia, like trying to gain control over Afghanistan. Uh, kind of. Anyway, it's fine. Cool, great. Got it. So most people would say that this game began in 1837 when Queen Victoria took the throne and Britain began establishing more of a colonial presence in India. So like Brits were already in India for decades, if maybe even a century, but like they started to try to really take over more control and like wrest power away from local leaders. Mm-hmm. So Connolly himself played a major role in the great game by helping to overthrow an Afghan monarch and install a king who had agreed to align his country's policies with Britain's interests. Okay. After this success, Connolly became a go-to man for missions to spread Britain's influence around the world. One such mission was actually something of a rescue mission. And we will get to how horribly it turned out. Oh, God. He was sent to attempt to free a British diplomat named Charles Stoddart, who was being held against his will in Bukhara, which was an ancient city that is now part of present-day Uzbekistan. And there are photos on the drive of Bukhara. Very cool-looking place Mm -hmm. that I had absolutely never heard of. So Stoddart, the one that he, that Connolly is trying to rescue, Mm -hmm. had been sent to Bukhara three years earlier to gain an audience with the emir. The emir's name was Nasrullah Khan. And um, he was trying to deliver a letter of reassurance that Britain had no intention of invading Bukhara. Famous last words. (laughs) Even though they had literally just invaded Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. which is neighboring, and like, we're taking over. But you're fine. Yeah. (laughs) We're not coming over there. You're good. And Stoddard. at all? Just like, (laughs) everybody chill. Yeah. And just because we took over the country next to yours doesn't mean that you're at any risk. So like, probably you should drop your defenses and like, give everybody the day off. It's fine. Relax. <laughs> Just relax. Don't be so hysterical. God. <laughs> he also was sent to try to attempt the emir to free several Russian prisoners that he was already holding. So we've got one guy going to try to get prisoners freed, and then he becomes a prisoner, and then another guy going to set mm-hmm. that guy free. Mm-hmm. So the second part of this mission might sound like confusing because Britain was fighting for control and power against the Russians. And then this British guy is sent to free Russian prisoners, Mm -hmm. but actually strategically there was a purpose. So he was trying to free the Russian prisoners so that Russia wouldn't have a pretext to invade Bukhara. And then Russia would lay off and then Britain would have, more influence in Bukhara long-term. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. It doesn't really matter. What matters is the guy that was sent, Stoddart, the first guy sent, was not the right man for this job. Oh, dear. 
So the mission required a delicate touch. Okay. And as one of Stoddart's acquaintances would later remark, quote, to attack or defend a fortress, no better man than Stoddart can be found. But yes. for, a, I'm just trying to be as blustery as I possibly can be. I <laughs> But for a diplomatic mission requiring coolness and self-command, <laughs> a man less adapted to the purpose could not readily have been met with. Wow. So basically he was a fucking hothead and they sent him on a diplomatic mission to a foreign country with an all-powerful despot leader who could give two fucks about this guy. Got right. it. It didn't go great. So, upon his arrival to Bukhara in December of 1838, he immediately committed several diplomatic faux pas. To begin with, he rode through the main square of the walled city in front of the emir's castle on horseback rather than walking, which was strictly forbidden. Because nobody else is supposed to be on horseback within the city other than the emir. Okay. And, like, if he had just had, like, a local guide, they could have told him this. Right. Like, if he had just done the bare minimum of diplomatic <laughs> research. Due diligence, He's a yeah. Guy. yeah. Furthermore, when the emir himself rode out on horseback, uh, the rules of the emirate, had he been aware of them, would have made clear that he was supposed to immediately dismount his own horse. Because again, only the emir can be on horseback right. in front of other people. But instead, Sadark remained in his saddle and saluted the emir, which was the custom in Britain. Mm -hmm. So he just was like assuming that his culture was right. Gonna carry the monoculture. Mm -hmm. And the right way to do things in this other guy's fucking land. Mm -hmm. Finally, Stoddart arrived with no gift for the leader, which was also a deep insult. And like the basics of diplomacy. Right. Bring right. a gift. It's the basics of you, like attending a, a house party. Right. Yeah. Even you, I know this. You bring a wink wine. Yep. Scrap some extra that wine out of the cupboard. Always have extra wine on hand. Mm-hmm. Trywink.com forward slash gals. But do it. <laughs> so according to a written account of this initial meeting, the emir, quote, looked at Stoddart fixedly for some time and then passed on without saying a word. <laughs> Just like a withering gaze and then Ooh. walked away. I love a withering gaze. Mm. Yikes. And things did not get better from there. You don't say. So when Stoddart finally did gain an audience with Nasrullah and handed him a letter of introduction and a statement of the purpose of his visit, the emir immediately took note of the fact that this letter had not been signed by Queen Victoria herself mm -hmm. and was again deeply insulted because he's like, I'm the fucking king of the world, basically. Right. And kings, you know, interact with fellow people at their level. Mm -hmm, so I mm -hmm. should be getting a letter from your queen, not from mm -hmm. you random ass fucking lowly diplomat guy. Mm -hmm. I'd be pissed too. Right? Yeah. It's like when you show up and they're like, oh no, I'm so-and-so's assistant. 
Right. But I will right. I will share the message. I will take yeah, detailed I'll notes. Yeah, I'll forward that email on your behalf. Right. So by all accounts, Stoddart was just massively underprepared for this mission slash not prepared at all. Mm-hmm. And like deeply naive about mm-hmm. the danger that he was walking into. He thought he would just stroll in there because he was British and like get all right. these people freed. The confidence of a mediocre white man. Yeah, always. So had he done a bit more research on Nasrullah Khan, whose nickname was The Butcher. Okay. It might have been enough to make him proceed with greater caution. Nasrullah's official title, quote, The Shadow of God Upon Earth. Incredible. Okay. Did not provide much reassurance either. So basically, it's like <laughs> that's such a that's so gross. Isn't I that hate it. like the that's most? That's really epic scary. Movie. I don't yeah. like it. It's it gives it gives me chills. my next rabbit. The shadow. Oh, this is my shadow bunny. Of, the shadow, shadow of God, God upon, upon Earth. Earth. <laughs> we call him Shadow for short. Shad. Shad. <laughs> oh my God, my friend Shad. I'm gonna. Oh, Shad. Oh, What's that short for? It's so short shadow, shadow of God upon Earth. Earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I'm texting yes, him. Yes. Oh, right now. Please do. That is epic. <laughs> so this emir, Nasrullah, had ascended to the throne in 1826 after ordering the murder of his own father and his two older brothers. NBD. They were in the way. They were. <laughs> They literally were. <laughs> they were in the vet. They were moving anyway. <laughs> were they though? And That's then, a legit excuse. And then after he became the emir, after doing this violent coup, like killing everybody that was in front of him in line, mm-hmm. then just to be safe, he also had his three younger brothers and like a bunch of other relatives that could possibly make a claim to the throne killed well, as yeah. Well. So he killed his entire, like, every male in his family, basically. Got to. Wipe out the competition, baby. Which is actually a very common thing also in, like, the Ottoman Empire. Like, a lot of, like, sultans would just, like, kill all of the men. Yeah. Yeah. Basically take out anybody who could be competition for the throne. Right. Praying mantis style. I'm here for it. And then that buys you, like, 18 years of calm until your sons start to get old enough. Anyway. So... He was also an infamously cruel leader, and one of his claims to fame was a 21-foot deep pit covered by an iron grill and accessible only by rope, and this was within the prison compound behind his palace, so an oubliette. I didn't Has anybody forget. here watched Ozark on yeah. Netflix? Okay. I'm not caught up, need to start. No, I haven't started. I know I need to. It's so good. It's really we've, good. we've got a pit. We've got torture. We've got sound. Yep. I like ramen hair. Yeah, girl with she's ramen good. hair. Yeah, oh, she's good. Yes. Ramen <laughs> hair. Yeah. Her hair looks like ramen in that Young show. Young Justin I'm Timberlake. Sorry. Yeah, I know. It's supposed to. <laughs> it's going to be May hair. <laughs> It's going to be May. So, okay, his subjects referred to the pit as Sia Cha, which... See ya later. Yes. Cha. See ya. (laughs) Cha, put you in the pit. Cha, you're in the pit. Cha. (laughs) Cha, you'll be fine. (laughs) 
song. Which trans- <laughs> Which translates to black well or black hole. Oh, fun. Right. I love that. So I really and- love that. <laughs> Anyone who displeased Nasrullah was at risk of being thrown into this pit, which would have been unpleasant enough on its own, but it gets so much worse. I need a pit that I can throw people in who displease me. Right? Okay, Buffalo Jill. Listen. (laughs) I do have really deep egress window wells. I should start making my pit. Yeah. (laughs) People are just going to fall into your pit. Craft your pit. New yard project. (laughs) Building my pit. Do I need a permit to build a pit in my backyard? (laughs) Not even a little bit. Check for electricity lines. Yeah, call before you dig. (laughs) never never call before you dig your pit so it raises way too many questions we get so many flyers about call before you dig it's like the one thing the government really cares about and never once have i done it i've never dug before you dig i have never dug no i know I literally get like a flyer like once a month about call before you dig. <laughs> I know they're all sponsored by Mike Rowe too. <laughs> oh God. All right. Okay. So Nasrullah also ordered that the pit be kept stocked with a variety of rodents, scorpions, oh. and other stinging insects. <laughs> Did you no. say snacks? Snacks. Snacks for the rodents, which a are properly people. Pit. Yeah. Actually, he did actually keep it stocked with snacks for the rodents, and we will get to it. Well. So the practice of using insects as torture devices likely dates back to ancient Persia and has been practiced around the world. Oh, my God. But Nasrullah seems to have been one of history's most enthusiastic practitioners of this method. (laughs) Oh, it's bad. He carefully selected the insects that would induce maximum pain, but oh, not like death. scorpions and things that sting. Including one called the assassin bug. No. <laughs> I haven't seen yep. that on my island. Mm. <laughs> the assassin bug is notable for its thick curved beak. Used it would catch a pretty price at the market on the island. Ish. Are you, is this <laughs> Nook Brothers? Jimmy and Tommy will pay a pretty penny. <laughs> is this <laughs> Animal Crossing? Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> Add that to the list. Alphabetically, oh, it's up there. It's early oh, on. <laughs> okay. This With, like, the height is of my the favorite early, face of Kenyans. Of early COVID lockdown, <laughs> I was playing so much Animal Crossing, and this is before Bill and I like so moved in much. together. And I was at his house, and I was playing it in bed. <laughs> and he's just like quietly, I don't know, like watching TV, doing whatever. And I caught a water bug, and without even explaining anything, I literally yelled, this will fetch a pretty price at the market in the morning. And Bill was like, what the fuck are you talking? And he still moved in with you. This will fetch a pretty price. And then we bought a house together. (laughs) This shall fetch a pretty price at market in the morning. Is it British? Do people have accents? No, No. it's just Amanda. It's actually uh, Japanese. Just, yeah, I just was taken over by a spirit. Okay. Spirit. <laughs> okay. Back to the assassin bug. 
Which oh, there right. are pictures on the drive, but I don't know if it's the same. Ooh. I feel like other bugs over the years have been given that moniker, so I don't know if these I'm are good. correct. I'm good. I'm charging my mouse anyway, so I will not be going to the drive. <laughs> I will be. Great. So this assassin bug that we're talking about is notable for its thick, curved beak used for piercing its prey and injecting a toxic saliva that paralyzes and kills other insects and contains an enzyme that liquefies the innards of prey so that the assassin bug can then (laughs) suck the liquid out. (laughs) It's like evolution. It's like Ebola and a venomous thing in one. I feel like Okay, so when... Go ahead. When this bug bites a person, because people are big... Right. There's no way I assume that it happened. only liquefies lo- a localized Correct. little spot. Yeah. When and like nec- probably necrotizes the tissue and ex- then the bug. Okay. Exactly. I was just oh, going to say, exactly. I feel like bugs have such like intense evil superpowers because they're all like this big. They're tiny. Yeah, they're yeah. tiny. So the, yeah, this right. is the way they eat. And also, in answer to your question, Amanda, about Animal Crossing, I would say that this cl- most closely resembles the violin beetle, but it's, uh, it's not. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Because okay. They, it doesn't have the long, you know. Okay. So exactly like Amanda said. She knows. Yeah. She knows. These insects don't typically target humans because mm-hmm. they want to just like kill another bug that's like right. a good size for them. For Have them. their they bug slushy and then leave. Suck out yeah. the innards and then yep. move mm-hmm. on with their day. Yep, yep. But when deprived of their typical food sources, they will feed on any live tissue. Oh, great. <gasps> so their sting has been compared to being pierced with a hot needle. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the enzyme that they inject causes separating pores. Mm. <coughs> so yeah, basically yes, it'll it'll cause a little spot Don't to Google die that. on oh. your body to fester to undergo the formation of pus. Yeah, and pus and liquefy, and then it'll suck out from that spot. And then when it's hungry again, it'll just find a new spot. God, nature is amazing. Nope. Yep. So, Nasrullah made sure that the pit's inhabitants were well-fed on chunks of raw meat, snacks, Mm -hmm. when there was no human prisoner for them to feast on. Ooh, expand their tummies. Get them nice and hungry. Get them used to, like, chunks of meat instead of other bugs. (laughs) Yeah. This is insane. Yeah. And uh, don't worry, there was usually a prisoner for them to feast on because he was very easily displeased. Mm. I mean, same. Yeah. And so this became the naive Stoddart's fate for offending yeah. the Emir. For this riding his, a horse. This is his new apartment. Instead of walking. <laughs> you yeah. fucking idiot. You fucking idiot. It could have been so easy. If you had just Googled it yeah. before you <laughs> right. arrived. Talk to anyone. Uh, any person. Oh, no. So before Connolly was sent to to free Stoddart, Stoddart spent three years as Nasrullah's prisoner. In the pit? Cycling through phases of being in the leader's favor and treated comparatively well and like a guest, not an honored guest, but a guest. 
and then doing something to cause offense, and then he'd get thrown back in the bug pit, which is honestly worse than being in the bug pit consistently. Right. For yeah. getting that little well, bit they of get recovery. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but then then you're always afraid that you're going to be thrown right. back in the pit, mm-hmm. and you would be. I mean, mm-hmm. Nasrilla knew what he was doing. He fucking yeah. knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes Stoddart was thrown into the pit not because of anything he himself had done, but because Nasrullah was upset by some action that the British Empire had taken. Oh, oh yeah. No. And as the <laughs> diplomat, he was sent to the pit. Oh, Can no. you imagine living your life where just at any, <laughs> any moment, at any moment, you could be dragged into the pit? We would all, as Americans, we would <laughs> always be in the pit. Oh, can you imagine oh. trying imagine to survive this during the going Trump from administration? Obama to- <laughs> oh no! Yes, you know what? Just put me in the pit. You're just like, how did, how did, how did the, how Tuesday in November go? How's, how's that election? <laughs> did everybody vote? Did the millennials vote? Did Gen Z vote? Did they? Only forty percent of the population voted. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm getting uh, uh, most most of my separating sores from last time have healed up. <laughs> I'm ready to go back in the pit. Yeah. So uh, the British <laughs> Shad liked my suggestion, by the way. Nice. Oh, of, of course. Shad being short for in the shadow of, of God upon earth. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the British did kind of the bare minimum to try to get Stoddart out during these three years. So they sent several letters attempting to get his release, but because none of them were signed by the queen, mm. the emir ignored them all. Mm-hmm. The ant queen? No, the queen of England. The queen, queen if, Victoria. What if it had to be signed by, like, the bug queen? <laughs> She's like, my people aren't done with you yet. <laughs> so Stoddard himself was occasionally allowed to write letters, and in one sent to Connolly shortly before his arrival, he wrote, the favor of the emir is increased in these days towards me. I believe you will be treated well here, which is like totally a hostage letter. Mm-hmm. I am being treated very well. Come yeah. here. <laughs> You'll love it. So Stoddart, according to one source, quote, had an incomprehensible lack of political judgment. Yeah, you don't say. <laughs> but he can't be faulted for a shortage of optimism. And I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a burn, though. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's the point. Exactly <laughs> what it is. It's a very British insult. <laughs> so at first he seemed he might be right. So upon Connolly's arrival, both men were treated fairly well. Connolly had like done the bare minimum of research and didn't, like, immediately offend the emir. (laughs) But unfortunately for them, Britain soon suffered a catastrophic strategic loss in Afghanistan, and the king that Connolly had helped install there was overthrown. Mm. And so Nasrullah surmised from this that Britain was no longer a military threat to him because he was like, well, they just lost next door, so, like, how powerful can they be? Fuck them. Right. And so he had even less of a reason to treat the diplomats well. And also he had suffered 
zero consequences from right. throwing this guy in the bug pit for three years. Yeah. Ugh. So why would I change? Whatever. Bug pit. Yeah. This is working out really well. No notes. So in addition, tensions began heightening between Bukhara and its neighbors, and Nasrullah blamed Connolly, who had been traveling in the area and had visited some of his enemies before showing up. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, you instigated these conflicts, which is probably mm-hmm. not true, but whatever. He was kind of the scapegoat. And so the final straw for Nasrullah came when he learned that a recent letter he had sent to Queen Victoria had instead been answered by the governor general of India. And he was like, I am fucking over you guys. Yeah. Like, I am the emir. Mm-hmm. I wrote a letter to the fucking queen. She the didn't even get it. Back. Yeah. She left me on red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so enraged at the British Empire, Nasrullah turned his ire on the two diplomats. Both men were thrown back into the bug pit, oh, where God. they spent the better part of the next year no. having <gasps> the flesh slowly gnawed off their bodies. Oh, oh my God. God. This pant. With few periods this of pant, reprieve. This pant. <laughs> it's, it's criminal. <laughs> <laughs> It's entomological. So then. It's full of bugs. It's full of bugs. (laughs) Oh, it's terrible. It totally sucks. It's terrible. terrible. (laughs) (laughs) So then in November of 1842, rumors began to make their way home to Britain that Connolly and Stoddart had been executed. A group of friends of the two men began collecting money to fund an expedition to find out their fates once and for all. I would have not have gone. <laughs> a volunteer. No, no fakes. If the two Free of you vacay. disappeared in like a foreign country under weird circumstances, like there might you have been a bug you... kid involved. I, yeah. I'm sorry, R.I.P. Sorry. No. Yeah, you yeah. count your losses, let it go. Yep. Well, at some point, I'll make yeah. new friends. I get it. <laughs> you won't, but that's fine. You don't need friends. I'll be fine. You have plenty of backups. I will in be Iowa. fine with You're not good. making new friends. Yeah, you'll be fine. So, a man named Joseph Wolf, an Anglican priest, was chosen to make this journey to Bukhara because, again, British fucking cultural blinders, they thought, like, well, he's an Anglican priest, so they have to respect him. But, like, mm-hmm. that means fucking nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. to, these, to this culture right. of people. Yeah. But unlike Stoddart, he fully understood the danger of his mission and did as much research as he could on the emir and on Bukhara's local customs before he showed up. Having learned that a visitor was expected to bow three times upon meeting the emir while saying in Arabic, peace be to the king, he memorized this phrase and did exactly that. And in fact, he was so nervous that he bowed continuously, like more than three times, and just kept repeating the phrase until the emir <laughs> laughed and told him to stop. And laughed and told him to get in the pit. <laughs> it was just like, you know what? I'm just, I, three doesn't, you know what? Three doesn't seem like enough. I'm just going to, it's like Parmesan. You just tell me when. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I would do the same thing. Absolutely. You have to peel me off the ground from my bow. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. Your back would start to act. That's up. true. <laughs> I'm ba- I'm bowing in in my mind. I'm bowing yeah. to you. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Wolf made a good enough impression on the mercurial leader that he was given permission to meet with Bukhara's commander of the artillery, who had also been Stoddart and Connolly's jailer. 
and to receive a firsthand account of their fates. So the commander described to Wolf how Connolly and Stoddart had spent two full months in the bug pit until, quote, masses of their flesh had been gnawed off their bones. No, no. Also, like, infection. Oh, yeah. The the fact that they survived is actually fucking incredible. Eventually, Nasrullah had ordered the men be removed from the pit and beheaded Making a point to explain Sweet how their relief. execution Seriously. would be more humane than those carried out in neighboring kingdoms because, quote, strangling gives more pain and the rascal Khan of Kiva strangles his people mm. and therefore out of mercy, I command the heads of the evildoers to be cut off with a common knife. I would rather mm-hmm. that have happened... From the well, beginning. years earlier, mm-hmm, before the mm-hmm. bugs, mm-hmm. pre-bug. Yeah. But this idea of, like, beheading being an easier form of execution than, like, hanging right. or some other form carried on into, like, Tudor fucking England. Like, that's mm-hmm. why Anne Boleyn was beheaded and not mm-hmm. hanged. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, in a lot of... it. Probably most circumstances it was because being hanged, as we know, can take a while. Yeah, can take a while. That in itself is a form of torture. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why a lot of people. So one other thing that I read in my torture notes, instead of hanging like regularly, like your feet down, mm-hmm. they built this contraption that actually like shot you up in the air. It was Ugh. like reverse hanging. Oh my god. It was god. like and it was um, supposed to kill you faster but it super did not. Like that a bungee jumping almost. Horrible. Yeah. It's like a yeah. Opposite Ugh. hanging. Also we didn't have time to like get to it but like what Lucy said about the scaphism like is also rumored to have happened but there's less evidence of that but like the milk and honey and then the yeah. diarrhea and then the bugs. The bugs. Yeah. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. And so Connolly and Stoddart's horrifying ordeal came to an end on June 4th, 1842, when they were beheaded in the public square. The official charge against them was spying for the British Empire. And the Anglican guy g- got the news and got out of there alive. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Great. He bowed his whole yep. way out. He was like, yes, very merciful. Gotta go. Gotta great, go. great call. Bye-bye. You did the right thing, Amir. <laughs> Gotta go. Bye bye. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot I have, ta- horse, I have a task uh, rabbit coming. I'm so I sorry. Will, I'm so I sorry. will never I, ride I left a horse. the oven on. Left the <laughs> oven on. Gotta go. <laughs> exactly. And that is my case. Hate it. Wow. Love it. Gross. Love it. Thank Horrible. you. Horrible. Yeah. Really bad. Really Horrible. bad. Really bad stuff. Wow. Great. Really bad. Okay. Well, I don't have a pit, but uh, what's coming is not great. So let's go take a break. Little sponsor moment. Okay. And then be back with more horrible stories. Horrible, okay. horrible, 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 horrible. Absolutely horrible, fucking horrible, horrible, horrible. horrible, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so we're supposed to go to the OBGYN once a year for like annual checkups, you know, mm-hmm. pokes, schmears, schmears, <laughs> spreads. <laughs> 
spreads. <laughs> but checking in on your like fertility isn't usually a thing in those just regular yearly checkups mm-hmm. until you are specifically seeking that information for whatever reason you may be doing that. And modern fertility just makes it so much easier. Yeah, what's happening inside your bod, like, you know, in that region is just a a mystery Mm -hmm. unless you're deliberately seeking those answers. And I'm personally in my Mm mid-30s, and those are some some questions I'm asking. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. It's not scary at all. You mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. And these results are thorough. Yeah. They give you insight into your hormone levels, your ovarian reserves, and other important fertility factors. These results go super deep into what every hormone means. And if you still have questions, you can talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and to discuss like what your options are for next steps. Traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000. Who has that? Ugh. But modern modern fertility gets you the same information at $159, so a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash gals, you can get 20 bucks off your test. So math, that's 139 bucks. And if yep. you have an HSA or FSA, you can put those dollars towards modern fertility. This is so legit. Mm-hmm. There is, I mean, it unlocks so many the answers to so many questions that I had about my own body. So if you Mm -hmm. want kids today or maybe just one day in the future, clinically sound information about your bod can help you make the decision that is right for you. Absolutely. And right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash gals. That means, like Lucy said, your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash gals. One more time, that's modernfertility.com slash gals and treat you knowledge. It's spring cleaning time and I personally just cleaned out my entire kitchen drawer situation. And that was... I (laughs) refuse. I can't take that on. It was a massive undertaking and it felt so, so, so good when I was finished. I just felt like I was starting fresh. And you know what else sometimes needs a deep clean every now and then is mm-hmm. your noggin, your brain. Yeah, yeah. It is so important to take care of your mental space because, mm-hmm. you know, unlike your kitchen, it it, it, it matters when it's too cluttered. It, right. It, it's impactful on your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why this spring, treat yourself to Talkspace. There are Talkspace therapists available to message anytime you need because you really shouldn't have to watch your thoughts pile up until your next, like, appointment rolls around or until you get the motivation to clean out your brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the hardest part for me is, like, motivating myself to get even over to the phone to make an appointment. It's just like a whole thing. It can it's be agony. just a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, wouldn't it be great if the whole, you know, the hard part is calling and making the appointment? Well, now all you really have to do is text. Like, you can just pull the phone out. You can text your therapist. You don't have to make the appointment and then wait for the appointment to get things off your chest. It's just so much easier. And taking the first step towards getting help can be really scary. We know this. It's a really, really hard thing to dive in and do. But no matter where you are in your mental health journey, talking to a therapist who's trained to help makes 
a huge difference. And if you can push yourself to make that first step of just signing up and sending a text, you know, getting matched, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be very proud of yourself. You're gonna feel better afterward. Mm-hmm. And Talkspace takes some of the pressure off of that first step. It's more flexible. It's more convenient. It's way more affordable. And it's high quality care from yeah. your phone. It's a real person. Mm-hmm. So with 24-7 text, audio, and video messaging, Talkspace lets you talk to a licensed therapist without needing an appointment, and you can connect however you feel most comfortable. So sometimes I just prefer to text. I'm a millennial. But sometimes I really want that face-to-face, so I will do, I'll schedule, like, a video session. It's really great. It's really convenient. It totally works with my schedule. I am obsessed. Yeah, it is millennial approved. Mm Mm-hmm. So if thoughts and emotions are piling up, a fresh perspective can help you feel better. Match with your dedicated therapist today at Talkspace.com and use promo code GALS, G-A-L-S, during sign up to get $100 off your first month. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com, promo code GALS, and treat your brain. Treat it. So I personally detest going to the mall. Yep. I'm never in the mood. There's too many people. It's too hot. It's hot. I can never find what I'm looking for. I got to park so far away. It's just Mm -hmm. not, it's not my thing. Hate it. it. It's time consuming and it's stressful. And I would so much prefer to not only shop online, but just have someone else pick out my clothes for me and just do all the work. Seriously, it's amazing. And that is why I love Stitch Fix. It does all the work so I can spend more time doing literally anything else. Literally (laughs) anything else that you'd prefer to do. Yes. So amazing. And it is so easy and fun to get started. So first, you take a few minutes to set up your Stitch Fix style profile. You answer a few questions about what you like to wear, what you don't like to wear, and how open you are to trying new styles. And if you're really not sure, like... Don't worry about it. This is not the kind of, it's not the SATs. Like you don't have to get this quiz perfectly. (laughs) It just gets a little bit of a start to getting to know you so that your stylist can put together some amazing stuff. And then Stitch Fix's expert stylist will go to work finding items exclusively for you. Every piece is handpicked for you and is unique to your size, your style, and in your budget, making it the best way to discover clothes that make you look and feel your best. This is legit. My friend used to be a Stitch Fix stylist she loved this job and like the care that they take to get to know you and like get to know what you like to wear what your preferences are now i'm at a point where i get my stitch fix box and i'm keeping almost everything because it's like they know me better than i do i also love that i could just message my stylist and be like hey Mm -hmm. so i i have a wedding in june (laughs) or like i only wear black leggings Mm-hmm. And I have enough black leggings. Just send me anything that'll go with that. And they just right. pick out the coolest, cutest stuff. Yeah, they have your back. And Stitch Fix will send you five pieces to try on at home so you don't have to be, like, crammed in a fitting room, too hot, walking from your car. It's too much. Undressing then, in public. No, I can't. You. I can't. Then you keep what you love and you send back what you don't. They make it so easy. The shipping returns and exchanges are easy and free. They send you a pre-labeled, like, soft bag that you can just put the stuff you don't want back in and then you give it to your post person and it's done it's taken care of and there's no subscription required you can try just once or you can set up automatic deliveries which i do it's like getting a a gift 
you know, every time my Stitch Fix I box arrives. I love it so much. It's, a it's the rush best. of endorphins. It really is. It's that serotonin we all need. Mm-hmm. And there are no hidden fees ever. So you know what you're paying for. You know how much the price is going to be. They're not trying to trick you out of your money. So sign up for Stitch Fix and get the season's latest pieces for everyone, even kids. Oh, love it. Mm-hmm. So sign up today at stitchfix.com slash gals, G-A-L-S, to get $20 off your first purchase. That's stitchfix.com slash gals to get 20 bucks off your first purchase. This is a limited time offer. Purchase within two days of sign up and treat your wardrobe. Treat it. Okay, so like I, this isn't torture, a torture story in the same way that like Kenyon was a clear torture story. Oh God. But I read in the fan picker notes that we, they wanted tickling covered. So I found this Really fucked up case. I have no words for this fucker, but my job is to write words about these fuckers, so I'm going to do my best. Okay. Trigger warning, child sexual abuse, and um, I'm also going to be spending most of my case letting the victims tell these stories by reading their own words and statements because I felt like that was the best way to kind of honor their experiences. Great. Okay. But first, some backstory. So in 2016, the UK football community, meaning soccer, was rocked to its core at the release of a years-long investigative report into the conduct of youth coaches and abuse allegations against them. No. One monster in particular, and since we were specifically instructed to cover (laughs) tickling-ish, is Barry Bennell. Hate it. Barry was a youth football player himself and as an adult wanted to continue his football career as a youth coach. He worked for English professional football clubs in the 80s and 90s, including Manchester City, Crew Alexandra, Stoke City, Leeds United, and was the head coach of the Staffordshire Stone Dominoes. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> stone Dominoes. The stone Dominoes. <laughs> While coaching for the Dominoes in 1994, the team toured in the United States. During that tour, a 13-year-old player on his team came forward claiming that Barry sexually abused him. The allegation, thank God, led to his arrest in Jacksonville, Florida, where he was charged on six counts of sexual battery and lewd and lascivious behavior. It's amazing that it actually led to his arrest. In the 90s? Yeah. Yeah, it is actually amazing. He pled guilty to these charges and was sentenced to four years in prison, but he did not serve the full term of his sentence in the United States but was arrested again in 1996 upon his return to England on additional charges for indecent assault, buggery, and attempted buggery beginning as far back as his early career days in the 1970s. Buggery. All against young boys aged 9 to 15 years old. Is buggery just... We covered this in... Is buggery like lascivious behavior? Without consent? Got it. I'm Googling. I'm guessing buggery... Anal sexual intercourse. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's, yeah. Okay. Yep. And which we kind of covered that, I feel like, in the Puritan crimes episode. Right. Maybe. But yeah. I, I think it's like a British term for like, uh, like criminal sodomy. sodomy. Yeah. Like yeah. criminal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Or not? Yeah. No, that's, mm-hmm. that's accurate. Yeah. Okay. So by the time this trial concluded in 1998, Barry was found guilty of 23 offenses against six boys and received 11 years in prison. That's it? Jesus. 
Well, he certainly had more victims, but the Crown Prosecution Service did not want to re-traumatize additional victims at that trial, so they were given the option not to participate. So he's in jail into the early aughts, and this trial sparks a full-scale investigation into UK youth football clubs and what policies the clubs had in place to protect children. I'm guessing are nil. Yeah, Yeah. long story short, jack shit. Yeah. The report sparked more media attention around this scandal, and in 2016, brave victims of Barry Bennell started coming forward to tell their stories. The first was Andy Woodward, former crew Alexandra and Bury player. This is uh, from The Guardian. He gave an interview. Quote, Woodward's ordeal began when he was playing for Stockport Boys, and Bennell invited him to train with one of his teams on Manchester City's pitches at Platte Lane. Bennell talent-spotted boys aged 9 to 14 around the Northwest and Midlands over three decades, and Woodward was talented enough to be directed toward Crew's youth setup. So this guy is literally his job. Just to go around and watch 9 and to 14-year-old yeah. adolescent yep. boys. Little boys. And then, like, have power over them by dangling yep. the carrot of becoming a famous footballer. Ugh. Literally, yes. Great. Yep, like talk about the fucking most insidious. It's like, it's this- honestly like being like a model scout yes. for yes. for prepubescent yes. children creeping around if malls. You, if you are a fucking predator, yep. you have mm-hmm. as this guy did for decades free reign mm-hmm. over your prey. Mm-hmm. It just sends fucking chills down my spine. I can't. <gasps> so, poor poor Andy, who goes by Woody, which is such a sweet. I just, he said, I just wanted to play football. My mom and dad will say that I always had a football in my hands wherever I went. You're supposed to play with your feet, Woody. You're not supposed to hold it in your hands. You know what? (laughs) I had to make it. I had to make that's your first mistake. I I had to make a joke. (laughs) This is the only possible opening. Maybe he's just she's been waiting for it. (laughs) Maybe he's like the one person who's going to throw it into. Yeah, like only, and then there's someone who can like toss it out of the pitch. Hashtag queen of sports. Yeah, whatever, sports. So I saw crew as the start of that dream, but I was soft natured too. And it was the softer, weaker boys that Benel targeted, end quote. Yeah, because he's a predator. Yep. Benel arranged for him to stay at his house on the edge of the Peak District. Quote, it was like a treasure trove, a child's dream, Woodward says. When you walked through the door, there were three fruit machines he had a pool table. There was a little monkey upstairs in a cage who would sit on your shoulder. Oh, God, he's like Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yep. He had two Pyrenean mountain dogs. He even kept a wild cat. It was my dream, remember, to be a footballer. And it was like he was dropping little sweets towards me. Ew. You can stay with me, and this is what I can do for you. Mm-hmm. Plus, he had a reputation as the best youth coach in the country. So I'd stay at weekends and summer holidays and even take time out of school sometimes. I'd go to all of the crew matches with him. He liked dark-haired boys. I was a kid. I trusted him to begin with. Yeah. When the abuse started, Benel used threats and blackmail to make sure his victims did not go against him. Quote, what he'd do sometimes to show the fear factor and make sure I never told anyone was get out some nunchucks, Woodward says. He was a master with them. He'd tell me to hold out a piece of paper. I'd be physically shaking. Then he'd hit it with enough force to split it in half and make a little comment. You see what I can do? You see how powerful I am? What an absolute lunatic. 
absolute psychopath. fucking lunatic piece of shit. But yeah. like that would work against a nine year old boy who's Absolutely. already terrified Absolutely. and traumatized. Yep. And oh just like God. transfixed by this, you know, the power right. yep. that he has. Little boys yep. and nunchucks. Mm-hmm. And Woody says, quote, it was either threats of violence or he'd use football to manipulate control. If I upset him in any way, he'd drop me from the team. At any point, he'd tell me, you will go, you will disappear, and that dream won't happen. Mm-hmm. It was emotional blackmail all the time, end quote. Mm-hmm. Now, buckle up for this next part, y'all, because I can't. The audacity of this motherfucker. Quote, when Woodward was 14, Benel started having a relationship with his victim's 16-year-old sister. And this guy would have been in his late 20s at the time. Ew. Were the parents aware of that relationship? Uh, eventually they did. They were, because here's where it gets even worse. Quote, he was so much older, he didn't want people to know at first and told me I would never play football again if I breathed a word of it, Woodward says. I was frightened to death because he had complete power over me by that stage. It was like a double whammy, and he would try to abuse me sometimes, even with my sister in the same house. Later, when their relationship became public, he would come around for Sunday dinner every weekend, sitting with my mom and dad and family, laughing and joking. You're just never safe. I I was so frightened of of him, I just had to suffer in silence. Then they got married. No. Was she still 16? When she was 18. Or she was maybe a little bit older because at this point, Woody was 18 when they got married. So the wedding took place in 1991 and Woodward at 18 had to go through the hellish ordeal of seeing the man who had exploited, controlled and abused him for years become his brother-in-law. Ew. Oh, my God. Is that not? I my jaw was on the fucking floor when I was reading this article. I was like, I so is I couldn't believe it. Is Benel bisexual or is he just, is this, he's just like fucking with his prey? You know what? I'm really not certain how he identifies in terms of his sexuality from what I understand. Like is it a he's, cover? Abuse is I, abuse. I feel like yeah, it almost I'm, I'm really doesn't have anything sure. to do with like sexual attraction well, in I, a lot I of know. cases. Absolutely. I'm There's, not really I'm sure. not linking the two no, at all, no, no, no. but I'm just, you know, I'm wondering if he is sexually attracted to the sister or if he is exclusively sexually attracted to little boys. But this mm-hmm. was like a good cover and a good like way in to always keep this kid under his thumb. Frankly, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I think it's very possible and probable that he is bisexual. Mm hmm. And that he was sexually attracted to the sister. Mm-hmm. He is clearly attracted She's to She's young. young. Yeah. She was yeah. 16 when they started their relationship. And he's a full-on adult. And he is an adult in his late 20s, like early 30s at this point. But there's um, almost like the added sexual gratification and enticement of this being his victim sister. I just right. think it's so many layers. Right. The power. Of depravity. Like yeah. he's in on the power dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's part of the family now. Yep. He's literally fucking part of the family. Yeah, uh, literally, literally fucking part of the family. And that it's might so be the up. main motivator. We right. don't know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They obviously eventually got divorced, but it's just like it's so fucked up. I should hope so. So Woody says, "quote I had to live. I had to live with that on top of everything else. I had to attend that wedding, standing in the church when I really wanted to rip his throat out. It was torture. That's the only word to describe. That makes it. me physically ill. I know." 
Another victim is Anthony Hughes, a former youth player with Crew Alexandra, who was coached by Barry as well. Quote, he tells his sickening story as Crew Alexandra tonight launched an independent review of how the club has dealt with historical child abuse allegations. It emerged that the League Two club was once warned Benel had sexually abused a junior footballer, but allowed him to stay on the condition that the kids were banned from going to his house. Oh, so we know he's a pedophile and we're going to let him keep working with kids. They just can't go to his house. But just not Why after hours. Why weren't they banned from mm-hmm. his house in the first place? Because basically what this guy would do, and he had like a whole layer set up, like he, like he, this guy, like what he said, he set up his whole house to be like, it's like any other kid friendly coaching. It's, yep. you know, that you he have had to rooms, travel. The Michael Jackson. Yep. Michael he Jackson. Had rooms with bunk beds in them. Yep. And then the boys, like the night before a big match, would stay at his house. The, there would be a bus that would come and pick them all up from right. one. The parents the can't afford location. to take the time and travel to take them to all yep. these fucking. Yeah, so he would just take them the night before so the bus could just pick them up at one spot and then everything else, he, he just could do with him with them what he wanted. I am never letting other adults around my child. No. You know what? That's for the best. No. So I'm going to read an interview with Anthony so that once again his story can be told in his own words. Quote, Anthony, now running a window cleaning business, says, and Anthony came forward, and we'll kind of get to it, because Woody had come forward. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Woody was so brave that, you know, and they're they're in their it helped 40s empower at this point. me. Yeah. Exactly. They they've been holding this for decades. And even though this guy was finally behind bars, more and more of these stories are coming out. And he's like, I don't ever want this fucker to get out. I'm I'm gonna come forward too. Right. So says they would have a training session on Saturdays before spending the night at Bennell's house, complete with four bunk beds for the boys ahead of a match on Sundays. A minibus would pick us up and take 11 or 12 of us to to his place, says Anthony. There was plenty of things for us to play with, pinball, a jukebox, computer games. Then he'd put a video on on of us playing football, and we'd analyze that video. So he'd break us down mentally, make us feel shame. Yep. But once that finished, that's when he'd put on pornography, S&M type stuff. He had a great big stack of tapes in his house. He'd get us all sitting around watching it while he sat there stroking the back of your neck or putting his arms around your shoulder and stroking your chest and nipples. Oh, oh my God. God. Or he'd give you a little tickle and we'll oh, kind of get to the tickling. Oh my God. It's clearly not the sort of thing that you should be doing with young kids. He gave us all that stuff to play with so he could groom us. Yeah. End quote. It's just classic grooming. And even, yep. even if it ended here... That's mm-hmm. still a deal. So fucked up. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anthony believes he and his teammates were too young to understand that what Benel was doing to them in his home was wrong. Quote, we didn't realize how bad it was, but looking back on it now, it's just a total shock, he says. Now I think what the fuck was happening. His house was a dive. We'd get bowls of cereal to eat, and he had a great big St. Bernard dog, and he used to make us all clean up the shit. At bedtime, Benel would take things to an even more sinister level. Anthony says Woody, so Andy Woodward, was invited into his room. I never did that. I've not spoken to Woody for over 20 years, but I've got so much respect for him doing this, meaning coming forward and speaking out. As adults, we now understand what was going on and was just so terribly wrong. I cannot praise Woody enough for his bravery in speaking out. I've not been in touch with any of the lads for years now, but I'd like to see them and speak to them again, end quote. Oh, God. Another victim, David Lean, believes he may have been one of Barry's first victims. 
He was coached by Barry in 1979. David was just 12 years old. He says, quote, the coaching sessions were fantastic. He was a brilliant coach with a winning personality. Everyone loved him. Mm -hmm. It's that whole like the abuser out in public is going to be everybody's favorite. Yep. So that when you hear this People shit, they're don't like, oh, there's it. no way. Yeah, there's he's so great. There's no way he would the do The church that. guy or the mm -hmm. community leader. The skills he could perform were way ahead of his time, including keeping the ball up in the air on just his shoulders and head. He instantly took a real shine to me and started to praise me at every opportunity, calling me a little star mm -hmm. and telling me and my dad that he had links to Manchester City, a uh, ran a feeder team for the club, and that he wanted me to go and play games for his team during the forthcoming season. Which is also very manipulative to the parents because the yeah. parents mm -hmm. want every possible opportunity, opportunity. for their child. Mm -hmm. It's so fucking predatory. It's also so ticking every fucking box. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> it absolutely is. Yeah. Could not be more fucking classic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the youth club that he was in at the time ran a boy of the week competition. And although I did not win it on that occasion, in my mind, I had won the biggest prize. I had exchanged addresses with my new hero, and he wanted me to play for his team the next season. I was so desperate to win boy of the week, I somehow managed to persuade my parents to take the family to... Plally. I can't. I have no idea what this area is. Hey. To a place. It looks Welsh. Yeah, it's a crazy sure. word. It is a crazy word. For a second uh, holiday in September that year. Plally. So he, he convinced his parents to take him on a trip to like where this guy I was also. Where yeah, yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah. Where oh, this guy Welsh. was. Welsh. Nailed it. How do you pronounce it? <laughs> Plally. Plally. Flele-flele-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le-le
Yeah, mm-hmm. tracked him and then he met him in '79 got, and didn't get to make his move until over a, like a year later. Such a fucking predator! It's so I know it's it's really like he must have had like disturbing. a Rolodex. Oh, Ab, you know he fucking did, and newspaper clippings, and you know he just had all that shit. Oh, I fucking hate it. And knew the parents and ugh. yep, mm. yep. So when I got into bed that night, Benel left the room and then re-entered and got into bed with me without asking. After a long period of tickling and playing mirroring games, he sexually abused me in bed for a prolonged period. Mm -hmm. The following day after football, I returned with him to his property and and the abuse happened again. Each morning following the abuse, he acted completely normal and was back to his passionate and enthusiastic self. Yeah, gaslighting. I was all alone, lost, scared, and confused miles from home. Once back home, I began spending time on my own in my bedroom. I had no idea what had happened, and due to the way my own body had reacted at the time of my abuse, I thought perhaps I was gay. I was embarrassed and kept it to myself for many years after. I knew I was never going back there and had just begun to feel safe again in that knowledge. However, just a few weeks later, I arrived home from school. Oh, God, this just gives me, makes me feel sick. I arrived home from school to find him sitting in my front room talking to my mom. He knew exactly. He had such a pattern. He knew exactly what he was doing. That's so gross. Yep. He had never been to my house before. For many months afterwards, I was terrified to come home from school. For several years, I began knocking around with younger boys as boys my own age started to get girlfriends. And I was confused. Like he was actually confused. Mm -hmm. So he's just hanging out with younger boys in his age group. I felt safer and less confused with younger boys as they were still obsessed with football and not so much into girls. I finally told Macclesfield police what had happened to me on the 4th of February, 2013. So years, he's an adult at that point. Years, years later, decades later. Yep, which was very hard. I then had a long battle with the CPS. I don't think that's Child Protective Services, but it's like a different, it's like a police force in the UK. They initially dropped my case as it was, quote, not in the public interest. Oh, dear God. To pursue. I told both police and CPS that uh, at that time that there would be hundreds of victims of Benel and asked them to open an investigation, but they still dropped my case, the, end quote. The CPS in the UK is the Crown Prosecution yeah, Service. S- service, that's right. So no, basically they were just later. like, look, he's already behind bars. And this is years later. It's yeah. It sounds like, later, F- it sounds like the FBI. And we don't want to fucking deal with you. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So while young boys were staying the night in Bettle's home, he would initiate play fights with his victims, tickle and flick them with tea towels before sexually abusing them in his bed. He had a fetish for tickling the boys until they wet themselves. So he would literally tickle them until they peed their pants because they like, which would be fucking torture, which that's torture. And it would be humiliating for the Mm -hmm. victims. And there's like a weird thing where like victims of sexual abuse can start bedwetting. Mm -hmm. So like Mm -hmm. it's all wrapped up. Weirdly connected. Yeah. So I didn't cover tickling as a form of torture because I knew you'd be talking about it. But Mm -hmm. just since you brought it up, I just want to explain what psychologically tickling is. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So this is, while laughter is popularly thought of as a pleasure response in tickle torture, Mm -hmm. the one being tickled may laugh whether or not they find the experience pleasant. In a tickling Mm -hmm. sensation, laughter can indicate a panic reflex rather than a pleasure response. Mm -hmm. Tickle torture may be a consensual activity or one that is forced, depending on the circumstances, obviously. Um, Forced tickle torture can cause real physical and mental distress in a victim, which is why it has been used as an interrogation method or simply to show dominance over another person. There you go. And so you in can, the context and the panic of sexual is, assault. is also like you can't breathe. Yep. Yep. It's not fun. It's I mean, not no, fun. It's, it's, I fucking it's, hate And it's one tickled. of the earliest ways that we can teach children about consent. Yes. yes. Like you need to teach your child that when they say no, that's going to yep. be respected. Yep. And mm-hmm. so if you're tickling and playing around and they say no you have to stop yep. yeah like you that yeah. is like the first way to instill that idea of consent mm-hmm. and then they know going forward that if another adult or child you know someone mm-hmm. else isn't or listening to their any kind of touch yep. consent yeah then mm-hmm. that's wrong and they know yeah. that that there's that line and that's wrong and even right. if that adult or that authority person you know older child or anyone thinks that it's Mm -hmm. fun and you don't right you're allowed to say no it's not okay and so yeah tickling when somebody tickling's really fucked it's really it's really fucked fucked up up. yep yeah so one victim who chose to remain anonymous testified in court quote that the former crew alexander coach would play a game of follow me he would move his hands around your body on the outside of your clothes tickle you and you would have to do the same back to him. So the mirroring thing. That's the mirroring. Mm-hmm. Okay. He said the game would continue until his hands were inside your shirt or inside your underpants. He added, I just thought it was normal. This is what you have to do. The court heard how none of the boys who have alleged they were abused would speak to each other about their experience because this guy had fucking freaked them out so much about it. The boys also could not tell anyone else about what was happening out of fear that they would not be believed or they would jeopardize their chances of becoming professional footballers. When more and more victims started coming forward in 2016, Barry had already been released for his previous offenses, and now he would be brought up on charges again for even more victims that had previously been unknown. And we may never know exactly how many boys he abused. Some speculate it's likely in the hundreds. Oh, my God. Um, Barry was convicted of 60 counts and sentenced to 31 years of pri- in prison in this, like, final round of Okay, so he served four, then 11, and then and now, sentenced now he's to 31. In yeah, and he's, a, he's in his late 60s. He's going to die in prison. Like, it, it's over One for One can hope. Like, yeah, thank God. Following this fresh conviction, calls for accountability from Barry's colleagues and superiors continued to get louder. The spotlight turned to a man named Dario Grady, who was the manager of Crew Alexandra, which is where like he spent the mo- the majority of his career and where most of the abuse took place. Mm-hmm. This Grady guy recruited Barry from Manchester City because of his excellent credentials and admitted to not looking into Barry's background because they wanted him on their coaching staff so badly. Cool, 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 okay. cool, cool. Because yep. winning a fucking game is more important than protecting oh, yeah. the children in your care. Well, this mm-hmm. Dario guy is also a piece of shit, and um, he was thoroughly investigated as well for inappropriate conduct, but there w- is no evidence that he crossed that line. However, he did admit to encouraging, quote, a close player and coach culture. Uh. And I think it was possible that some of the boys, like, stayed over at his house, too, on, on like, 
soccer football trips or yeah. before trips, but nobody came forward with any allegations against him. And considering how many how many now men are coming forward against Barry, you'd think that if Dario had also engaged and sexually this. assaulted them, like why not? But it's also possible he knew or he got whiffs. And he of- did. He did. Yeah. So he was aware of allegations against Barry, and this is going to fucking, I can't with this. He was, he was aware of allegations against Barry while working together, and Grotty, but Grotty, quote, did not consider a person putting their hands down another's trousers to be an assault. Mm. It is if one's a child. Yeah, or like just in general without consent. Yeah. So this is a final quote from The Guardian. Quote, overnight stays by boys were normalized at crew in a way which they were not elsewhere with some boys staying at Grotty's house. The report added that there was no evidence Grotty acted inappropriately with boys on any of those visits or in any of his other interactions with them. Football clubs that Barry had worked for made predictable statements of, we didn't know, and we're putting policies in place to keep this from happening again, to which, like, I can't fucking help but roll my eyes. Obviously, all these football clubs are just trying to cover their asses. Right. And many of them still exist. Obviously, he's not working there, but it's like, these are, like, well-known youth football clubs that kind of feed like a pipeline into the professional. Yeah. And obviously they're not all, they don't all employ predatory coaches, but if you're not predators, will seek out if you're not protecting Mm -hmm. the youth against it, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Cause yeah, as Kenyon said, this guy, you know, he was a, he played football as a youth himself. He already had an interest and a talent for football he could have coached adult football clubs and he chose not to because he wanted to surround he himself a pool with of victims. Oh, Correct. it's so gross. It's so fucked up. And it just the, 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 the tickling these boys until they wet themselves. I just like, it's so fucking tragic and heartbreaking and the hundreds of lives that he, this man fucked up mm-hmm. and these poor kids that uh, until they were in their forties, felt like they couldn't say anything about their experience. Like, I don't, I don't know. Care. The whole thing is just so fucking heartbreaking. I don't care who the person is. Mm-hmm. If an adult having children over at their house that, you know, like not, we're not talking about like a sleepover, which obviously you have to be careful there too. But right. like in this, I don't know. I just don't understand. And I'm not trying to like blame the parents because Mm-mm. they're also victims in this. But you can't let your kids sleep over at adults' houses where the adults have power over your kid. Yeah, I don't care I don't how I nice mean, the guy seems. I I agree. I, I am giving this a yes and because like I did plays and tons of like choir trips and all kinds of shit like that where like sometimes you would be at like a chaperone's home or at, or at like a hotel you know being monitored by adults like sure. you want you want your kids to, to have, have experiences out in the experiences world experiences and like extracurriculars it's just you just have to use so much discernment and like really be aware of what's going on and there are still going to be a lot of situations where you don't know what you don't know. I feel and like there there just have to be policies in place where like parent yeah. chaperones are always also there. The parent mm-hmm. chaperones rotate. 
Right. So right. it's not exactly. always the same, you know. So the like, coach just doesn't have a bunch of kids in their basement. Yes. Yeah. Or no, like Michael, the Michael agree. Jackson situation. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not okay. Like what do you fucking yeah. think is going on? I mean, I I have conflicting feelings about the Michael Jackson situation. I actually don't. I think that he had such like a broken inner child that yes, he did act inappropriately with other children, but I actually don't think he like sexually abused people. I, I don't I, like Michael Jackson. I don't know. I, don't I like feel him. like whatever he did has already crossed the line. Mm-hmm. Just like we said with this Benel guy, like lots right. of his victims, maybe he didn't actually like exactly. sexually penetrate them, but he made them watch porn and tickled mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And like we said, that's before, abuse. You don't, you can get so close to breaking the law that it's oh, totally. bad, but until you break the law, you haven't broken the law. So Right, right, right. Yeah, and, it's and just, that we can prove. So I don't no, know. No, of course, I, I'm just, not a Michael Jackson fan at all. No, I mean I'm not like a Michael. You're Jackson speculating fan, about. But I'm. Yeah, what? I'm not. I'm yeah, not a hundred percent convinced that everything that's out there about everyone is necessarily a hundred percent accurate. But no, that what we do know that this guy is a fucking piece of shit. Yes, and ruined a lot of fucking people's lives, and now he's gonna die in prison. Good. Great. So fuck you, Barry Bennell, and your goddamn tickling. Well, that is not where I thought the tickle torture was going to go, if I'm going to mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. Because there's like, the dollop did an episode and there's like some documentary about. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to cover those because they're like so popular. So famous. Yeah. yeah. But I thought that that is where you were going and this was way worse. Way worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. I wanted to really ruin everything for everyone. Great. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome, honey. Thank you to our fan picker and Delian Hopkins. This is your fault. And Dandelion. And Dandelion Hopkins. Thank you so much. This was an interesting episode. It's all your fault. That we suck. Yes, it's all your fault. (laughs) That we suck. All right. Love you. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers!